Good morning. How are you? <laughs> we always say that, no? Well, I hope you'll slept well. Hopefully, you didn't have to wake up too many times over the night, no? Sometimes it happens. Whatever is going on with our lives, I like to put us in the hands of God at this Mass, especially if there are some of you who may, go, may be going to difficulties or difficult times. Whatever experience it is that you're going through, we put it today at the hands of the Lord at this Eucharistic uh, celebration. It's good to be here. I, um, I'm getting, getting to know back here at one, it's so big. But I'm trying to visit all the parishes this year, I mean school year. <laughs> Between now and June, hopefully, I'll, I'll try to, vis- to visit all the parishes. I've visited like seven or eight so far. Um, not every Sunday I'm in one of the parishes in Vicariate One because we also have confirmations all over the Archdiocese. But it's great to be here today. I think I've been here before uh, for uh, Mr. Uh, Villo, uh, funeral, Villo's funeral. You probably remember him. It was such a, a personality who was so generous, with, especially with the seminarians. Um, and I was invited to do the funeral. That, that was the one time I remember being here. I'd like to tell you a story um, based on what's happening with the readings today. It really feels like it's the end of the world, isn't it? All the readings are talking about something really ugly coming up, and it seems like it's ending. Um, I, I think, you know, of course, every time we come to this time of the year, uh, the liturgical year ends. This coming Sunday is going to be Christ, King of the Universe, Solemnity. And then the following Sunday is already Advent. So another cycle begins with the liturgy. And I think the liturgy uh, kind of leads us into ending a cycle, beginning another one. At the same time, it invites us to prepare for, for whatever happens. No? We never know. But I'd like to tell the story based on that. Uh, I was reading a few days ago uh, that people who live close to volcanoes and I was reading the story of a, a group of people, a town that is called to a volcano, uh, we called Volc- Volcán de Colima. This is a, a volcano in Mexico. Um, and it's a volcano that has been quite active, smokes and you know, now and then, like the one also that is close to Mexico City. We have like three volcanoes in Mexico that um, sometimes erupt. This one particular town near this volcano, um, I was reading, there are like probably 300 families very close to the volcano, they live there. And they have learned how to live that close to the volcano, uh, being always prepared. So what they have is something like in a small backpack (laughs) to grab and run, so always ready. So they, they know that the volcano can erupt at any minute. Nobody knows exactly when or what time. So they just have to have like a backpack or something really with, with the very essentials for you to survive, let's say, the next four days or something like that. You carry that with you, right? So if the volcano erupts, like boom, all of a sudden it's huge. If you, if you make it out, right, that's all you take a backpack with a few things and you just go out very, very quickly. And one, one thing that was very interesting as I was reading the story was like, wow, I wouldn't be able to be, <laughs> to live at peace in a place like that, right? Would you be, you know, peacefully living like that in a place like that? It would be interesting, no? I, I keep, we're just thinking, how could I imagine myself living in a town 
a few miles maybe from the volcano, knowing that that thing can explode anytime, and a backpack ready to run, am I going to be stressed out all the time? <laughs> am I going to be really like enjoying the place and enjoying my life there, living it like that? I don't know. I don't know. Would you? Can you imagine yourselves in a place like that uh, with a backpack ready to run out and saying goodbye to everything behind you? You know, it's interesting when you think of that. Well, these people do live without stress. That's what's so interesting. They, they have learned to, learn like, to live like that um, because it's just like their destiny, you know? But it has happened a few times that the volcano erupts and then they run. They've done it a few times already. And the volcano doesn't you know, erupt like really big, so then they still, keep, they still have their homes and their lands and stuff, so they come back. But it's interesting to, to live a life like that, no? And I was thinking that as an analogy, maybe ourselves um, be ready to think of that for whenever we leave this world, right? It's not like we have to have a little backpack to, we won't take, not even, not even the backpack when we die, no? But it is interesting to see this uh, readings today uh, and, and, and think of a reality like that, you know? Uh, the readings invite us to think of the end times, and we don't know when the end of the world would be, if it is going to end all at once, or is it going to be ending for each one of us one by one, like it's happening, you know? What, what would it be? We don't know, right? The Gospel says not even it's only God the Father who knows how this, is, this might happen. But I was also uh, reading a little bit of uh, comments and commentaries of the, of the readings on the gospel today. And it, I read that both in Israel and in the early Christian community, apocalyptic writings were a, a hopeful and redemptive way of dealing with the future. So they would always imagine the future this way. And it seems like people at that time understood those references better than we do today. Many times an apocalyptic writing was intentionally obscure so that the enemies of God's people could not decipher the meaning. The, the message of hope and, and promise would be clear to those for whom it was written. For example, the New Testament book of Revelation, or the Apocalypse as we call it too, was written to encourage Christians during the times when they were resident aliens in the Roman Empire and they were subject to discrimination and persecution. So it's almost like a key or clue way of writing and sending a message. The Jewish communities of that time understood reality in terms of two ages. First, there was the present age which they understood to be so evil that it could not be saved, but it could only be destroyed. And then they also, they also uh, had this other age, uh, the, the one to come, which they understood to be a time when everything would be as God meant it to be. And the change from age to age, or the one age to the other would come as a day of the Lord. That's how they would view it. That's how they would understand it. So the present world would be totally destroyed and there would be a final judgment in which the wicked would be condemned. 
And out of this chaos, God would create a new world for the chosen and faithful ones. You know, that was the time, but that was kind of the belief. I, I'm sure that some people would probably still believe it that way. And it's not too far from what we be- actually believe, no? It's close to what we believe. However, the hope for us, people of faith, is that no matter when the end of the world would be, we know that Jesus is already with us. But Jesus is already here. The kingdom of God is here among us. The end of times has always been a very popular subject for writers and for movie makers and you know, poetry, reporters, philosophers, novelists, and even for some religious groups, as you probably have heard, some sects and some um, uh, religious groups ha- have predicted the end of the world with a day and even time. <laughs> and of course they have failed. No one really knows the time or the hour. The gospel says only God the Father knows that. The church will stand fast in the truth delivered once and for all by Christ the Lord. That is, uh, that's what we believe, and I think that's where we stand. Uh, in the second reading from the Hebrews, we heard of the priests offering sacrifices for the forgiveness of the priests and also the forgiveness of the people. But that is something as powerful and as really um, uh, amazing as the one sacrifice that the one priest offered already for us. And that one priest, you know who it is. And we have him right there. Um, he's the one who offered the one sacrifice that really took us away from evil and, and, brought, and brought us into who we are. And who are we is children of God. We belong to God. We don't belong to the devil. Jesus already gave his own life for us. And so he made us his children again. So we shouldn't be afraid. Um, I think as we live our lives believing, being in touch with the Lord, despite the issues that we have around us and, and the situations that we, we hear from the world, I think the Lord is still with us, even in those uh, very difficult moments, e- even within the church right now, as you know. Challenging times, no? It, it almost feels like we ourselves are ending the world. <laughs> um, when we put all these things together, it's go- going around. And I think also because today we have means of communication are much faster than before. Anything that happens anywhere in the world, we know right away. So it seems like there's more than maybe in the past. But I think, I say again, as we trust the Lord, who is our rock and our foundation, he is, he's, he's with us. And he promised to be with us until the very end. That was a promise. And we believe that. So throughout the Bible, there is a sense of urgency about the word of God. It seems that the end is always near, especially we, as this three readings today. But this eschatological time coming could be accomplished at any moment, right, for us. If we were to ask Jesus, how do, how do you want us to prepare? Now, if you were to ask Jesus that question, no, these people who live close to the volcano were like ready to run any time, no? And they seem to be at peace living the life like that. They got used to living like that, always ready. That's, I think that's what we're supposed to do in terms of our spiritual life, no? 
always ready for whenever the Lord wants to take us out of this world, no? <laughs> into his world. But what would be the question, what, would, what do you think would be Jesus' answer? If you were to ask him, how would you like us to prepare for something like that? No. I sometimes feel like he would say, by living. By living your life. Right? By living your life the way the life is meant to be, you know? By being who you are. And who are we? I keep on saying this. We are children of God. Jesus made us children of God. Uh, and the day we were baptized, it was the very moment when he said, you belong to me. You're children of God. And he promised to stay with us. And he stays with us in many different ways, especially through the sacraments. I think that's one of the most of the strongest ways for him to be with us, and most especially at the Eucharist, at the celebration of the Mass. This week, why not see how many times we ourselves can bring Jesus back to earth, back to us, back to our lives. Let us consider whether there are ways in which the gospel of Christ should always be proclaimed with a sense of urgency. We, I think we all become, by the virtue of our baptism, we become missionaries. We are all in a mission. We are missionaries. We have a message. And I think by living our lives the way our lives were meant to be living, um, we bring the message forward. There are things we intend to do for those uh, we love and we say someday. Uh, many times we say, well, 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 we'll do that in the future. We will die someday, and we postpone things, and we don't do them sometimes. Maybe I think the readings today, these days, as we are coming to the end of the liturgical year, uh, would invite us also to think, what are things that are really important that I should not let uh, for the future, that I could do now? Is there somebody I should go and say hello because I haven't said hi to this person for a long time? Maybe I should do it soon, sooner than later. Why wait right, for things like that that we know are good? Um, I think these are the things that I'm talking about that we can do when we come to reflect about these readings and that speak about end times, right? Little things that are meaningful and that are easy, I think, to do or not as complicated. There's a proverb that I like to, to, to share by closing this uh, little homily that I liked uh, because it says, I sought my God and my God could not see. And my, and, and my God I could not see. I sought my soul, and my soul eluded me. I sought my neighbor, and I found all three, my God, my soul, and me. You probably have heard this before. I think it's from a British author, and I think his name is William Blake. Uh, I just found out recently, somebody, I was using it in one of the masses, and I said, I don't know who said this. And then at the end of the mass, someone came to me and said, I think this is the one who said it. And he writes all kinds of uh, uh, reflective uh, philosophical things. But I found this good one for us, especially as we think of these readings and think of ourselves and the times and the things we're living these days. I sought my God, and my God I could not see. I sought my soul, my soul eluded me. I sought my neighbor, and I found all three, 
my God, my soul, and name.